Hey, it's Scott Orner, Cruise Consulting, and thanks for joining us on Founders and Friends for another awesome podcast. Let's give a quick shout out to the Cruise Consulting accounting team. We're very fortunate. We have a ton of people at Cruise who work on the monthly books for our clients and get them all set up, due diligence ready, rocking every month, answering all the clients' questions, making all those adjustments. And there's no better moment for a founder and for us, really, when founder says, hey, I think I'm going to get a term sheet. Are my books ready for diligence? And we get to say, yes, they are. Fire away. Send them over. Give them access. That is a great feeling. It's the feeling that lets us know we've done a job very well done. And nothing is better than watching that cash hit the bank account. So if you are a venture-backed startup, you're going out to fundraise, maybe check us out. Check us out at cruiseconsulting.com. We love what we do. At taping here, I think we have 575 clients. Clients raise over a billion dollars this year. So we know what we're doing. And hopefully we can help you be successful in your fundraise. All right, let's get to the podcast. Thanks. So when your troubles are mounting in tax or accounting, you go to Cruise from Founders and Friends. It's Cruise Consulting. Founders and Friends with your host, Scotty Orn. Welcome to Founders and Friends podcast with Scott Orn at Cruise Consulting. And today I'm a very special guest, Blake Oliver of Earmark. Welcome, Blake. Thank you, Scott. So good to talk to you again. Yeah, we're doing a home and home series here. I did your podcast a couple of weeks ago or maybe a month ago by the time this runs and uh, we had a good time. Yeah. And you have a super cool new business that I love called Earmark CPE. And I thought I'd have you on just because like there's a lot, actually a lot of accountants that listen to this podcast. And so want to kind of make sure they're aware of Earmark. And maybe you can start just by giving your background a little bit and, and how you had the idea for Earmark. So I'm a CPA who got a start in accounting as a bookkeeper. And I was in the right place at the right time when cloud accounting became a thing. And cloud accounting, that term means we're taking desktop accounting software, we're putting everything in the cloud. This is when SaaS started to become like a big thing in the accounting profession. And I've always loved technology. So I was working as a bookkeeper doing data entry essentially and discovered this whole world of automation and the potential for automation just blew my mind. And within like a year, I had automated 80% of my own job. And I realized that there That's was so like, awesome. there was a big opportunity here to offer bookkeeping services uh, to clients remotely. And so I started a company called Cloud Sourced Accounting. This was back in, I don't know, 2010, maybe, maybe a little before that. And it was just me freelancing to start, freelance bookkeeper, but I started hiring other bookkeepers, building up this business, and we were doing it for fixed fees. So a couple that hundred bucks. That was new too. That was yeah. a new thing too. Yeah. A couple hundred bucks a month. I would pay hourly bookkeepers to do the bookkeeping. I'd manage the relationships, set up all the tech, all that. And you know, now there's a lot of companies that do this, a lot of firms, a lot of startups. You may have heard of, you know, Bench and Pilot, and there was Scale Factor, which is now defunct. But uh cruise consulting. <laughs> cruise consulting. <laughs> well, but you guys do a whole lot more than what I did. I yeah, was doing true. like, yeah. but that's, base, a, that's one of our baseline well, things we do. Yeah. QuickBooks Live actually yeah. is an example of this yeah. with a built in subscription based bookkeeping. So I was doing that and I sold that business. I went to work for a large accounting firm thinking that I need to learn how to be a real CPA. Because I was, I was getting my CPA while I was building that business. It was like yeah. while I was in You were school. young. You did this basically out of college, which I always like to point out to people. Way, 
way more advanced than me. And you, you recognize opportunity really young in your career is pretty cool. Except I cashed out too soon. You know, I should have left my chips on the table. Uh, you know, that's, I the, think I remember asking you why you were selling like that quizzical look of like, what, well, you know, what's going on. I just had a kid. And yeah, so yeah. I felt like the business was at the point where I think everybody gets to this point where it's sort of like up and running and it's like toddling along, but like anything could come along and destroy it. Right. Yeah. Like one person quits and you're disaster. Yeah. So it's hard. I, it's hard. Yeah, yeah. You do get, you go through this, like, I call it like the death Valley of, um, you have to push through to be able to have enough amazing people on your team to be able to withstand those shocks. And then once you, once you do that, the amazing people recruit other amazing people and you get really strong, but there's those like two or three years of severe vulnerability, both Yes. kind of work-life balance, but also financial vulnerability that's really tough to handle. So I, I know exactly what you're talking about. So I had the baby on the way and yeah. somebody happened to just fall into my lap saying, I'll buy your business. So yeah. I, I sold it, which, you know, it was nice. It gave me a little bit of stability at an early point in my life. And so then I went to work for a large accounting firm, hated that. I lasted eight months, couldn't do that. It was It, it took me from a technology standpoint, it took me like eight months to get them to turn on Microsoft Teams because that was a new thing, this idea of team chat. Yeah. And yeah. like, I really needed this to manage my clients, couldn't deal with it. Yeah. So you might ask what happened after eight months? Well, I got recruited into tech. So I like to write and blog and talk. You may be able to tell that already. A company called Flowcast out in LA, which makes software for accountants, said, hey, Blake, why wouldn't you want to come and become a product marketer for us? You get to get paid to go do webinars and talk to people. And yep. I said, oh, that that's interesting. And I signed up with them. And uh, that's how I got into the whole like technology world. So I, I did that for two years, made webinars for accountants, continuing education classes. Um, you were kind of I a gift for them because I remember talking to their CEO at one point you were like, you really understood the accounting channel probably better than they did. It was, it was interesting, but I remember being like, Oh, thinking for, oh, that was well, smart. They hired Blake, you know, you lived it. You know what, you know what you're talking about. To be fair, Flowcast did the, they were on exactly the right path when I joined already where they yeah. were super, super focused on their core target customer, which is corporate controllers in yeah. mid-sized companies. And like, if, if there's anyone out there in startup land listening and wants to just, a uh, lesson in marketing, look at what Flowcast did with their messaging because they were so perfectly targeted and they still are, I think, to corporate control. I had him on the podcast maybe like two years ago. Yeah. He, he was very, very good. Yeah. Very good. The focus, yeah. the focus is what made them successful. And so it was great getting there, being there, learning, you know, all that stuff. And then I went to work for a company called Giraffe, which makes FP&A software. Yep. And I was the head of marketing there. So getting to really learn about technology companies and marketing and left there and started Earmark. And, and so Earmark is an app that gives you continuing education credits, which all CPAs are required to get. Certified public accountants have to get 40 hours of continuing education every year to maintain their licenses. It does that in an app on your phone. So like compare this to the traditional way of getting CPE credits, which is going to a conference and sitting in a room for eight hours a day or attending a webinar. I see my wife, Vanessa Cruz, who's our founder of Cruz Consulting, like literally grinding through these things on her computer, 
And oftentimes it's towards the end of the year where she wants to be doing many other things besides that, but she's got to get her CPE in. And uh, that's when you told me about this. And I was like, oh my God, this is a great idea. Like, <laughs> this is an awesome idea. But it's true. Like all, all uh, basically CPAs, right? Have to do it. And what I've heard studying startups, paying attention to this now that I'm in this world of tech is look for the pain, right? Where is the pain in your profession, in your industry? And for a lot of CPAs, it's really the CPE is the big pain point. Yeah, at, the, yeah, at the end of yeah. that renewal period, you realize, oh no, I have to get 20 hours. How do I do it? So a lot of people end up just sitting on their computer for days. And But you I also, wanna... people focus on the hours. And I know we, you know, at Cruise, we all like, our, I'm not a CPA, I'm a CFA, but an MBA, but tons of CPAs on our team. And, but it really is a valuable learning opportunity or moment to like refresh on some stuff. And I like, we're doing a bunch of our people are doing like lease accounting right now. Like the, the CPA is mm -hmm. on that. A bunch of lease accounting standards changed. So it's, it's, yes, you need the hours. It's very important to do it, blog it, do it correctly, but it's an honest to God learning opportunity that people can take advantage of and, and take a breath and learn something new. But what I think is so cool about what you're doing is it's like a, like you said, it's in the app. It's like, you can move around. You can, you're not stuck like in this really kind of negative learning situation, stuck at your desk, wishing you were somewhere else. You can absorb this content in a variety of ways, moving around, doing different, you know, it's like, poor, it's just so much better. It's like the way the world works now versus the way the world works 10 years ago. Right, right. And People aren't logging cool. into Facebook on their laptops anymore. They're doing it on their phone, right? Like this is what we're or watching YouTube videos on their laptop. They're doing it on their Apple TV or their yeah. phone or whatever, right? You know, you're totally right. So we have people that do their CPE while they are driving to work, while they're doing yeah, chores. Yeah. One of one of my members, we call them members because we're a community of learners. One of my members said, I was at the spa getting my nails done and I was learning about tax. So that's what we want to do is make it convenient and make it so convenient that you actually take classes you want to learn and, and need to know. So it's not just whatever's convenient with your schedule. It's actually what you need to learn. What so you're like, curious about. What yeah. you're curious about, what will help you professionally, right? CPE is so inconvenient most of the time that most people just take totally irrelevant stuff. That's one of yeah, the big complaints. So, I know. That's that's what was so exciting yeah. about which, what about your mark. So that's, yeah, that's what we've been building. I started it. Last year, it's been in development part-time for a long time, launched it in January of 2022. And so we've been out on the market for what, like two months, three months, uh, and we're up to 1,200 users on our app. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Now, it's, it's not like we're monetizing it yet. It's all free at this point, but we will have a premium subscription option coming soon that'll give you features like a built-in podcast player and whatnot. And we're just trying to like grow the library of content. So we're, well, once this episode posts up, we'll be over a hundred hours of CPE because we're recruiting all these podcast hosts yeah. who've been creating like, like you, Scott, yeah. Yeah. you create this educational content. Now you can add CPE to it. So for someone got... like me, who's doing that, it's a nice little, it's like, maybe that's a little extra incentive for someone to try my podcast for the first time or find one of our YouTube videos or something like that and listen to that on a sub on a subject that they're interested in. So yeah, I think one of my first, my first reaction was this is super cool. And then I said, how do I get my podcasts and videos into, into earmark, you know, like, but that, yep. that is like, you're the Netflix of CPE basically. I want to be like, I'm not sure exactly what the right analogy is, but YouTube of CPE might be what we are now because 
we let people contribute content for free. I don't want to charge you to put a course on my app. And then we will help you create the course. Like if you don't have the time to spend three to four hours filling out our template that you need to fill out to get the CPE according to the regulations and the rules, which is rather onerous in my yeah. opinion, we have folks and that will do it for you. So oh, you just no pay way. us. Yeah. Oh. So, so that's, that's really what we're doing right now is that's going to authors and too. saying, just pay us 500 bucks a month. We'll put every episode of your podcast on earmark for you as soon as it drops well like a week after it drops well, it'll be on the course it'll be on the app as a course and then you can tell all of the people listening hey come get cpe download the earmark app take your quiz get your cpe yeah and i can tell you um i've been obviously pushing this heavily on my own podcast so i have a podcast called the cloud accounting podcast your your, your and... cloud accounting royalty that <laughs> podcast is like the number one <laughs> podcast for accounting people. So you, you're being, uh, you're, you're being shy here, but yeah, that's a great podcast. We're over half a million downloads, which in the world of podcasting is like, it's decent, but in the world of accounting podcasts, which is a smaller market, it's, it's pretty great. It's really big. Yeah. Um, so we have a big following and I've just been pitching earmark CPE on cloud accounting podcast and every episode goes on earmark and our downloads are up 40% year over year. No way. Year to date. So I know there's demand for this. It will create more listeners for your show if you have an audience of CPAs or certified yeah. management accountants yeah. or enrolled agents. Like, yeah. And I just know this from my experience making webinars. When we add CPE to a webinar at one of these companies I worked at, Flowcast or Giraffe, we would double our audience. So just remember this as we're talking here, but one of our clients at Cruise was uh, Farhad at 2B TV. And they've gone on, I, I forget what they got bought for, but it was, it's publicly disclosed. It's like four or 500 million bucks. But he was in a very similar situation to me, to you like probably 10 years ago. And he did exactly what he started just going to like the long tail of content and finding all these people with existing libraries who wanted to have other, have, be, make it more accessible over Apple TV and Roku and things like that. And like, it's kind of very similar to like how you're, you're, we can like someone like me can pay you to get it to CPE and all that kind of stuff established for the video. He did the same thing. And then all of a sudden the flywheel starts spinning so fast that everyone comes to you and it, you really do become the 2B TV or Netflix or YouTube of this category. So I'm, I'm really happy for, I've seen it work like Farhad executed oh, the great. strategy perfectly, you know? Well, uh, I might be coming back to you to, to ask for, for your advice on that. Um, <laughs> Oh, you know, in touch with them. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's funny too because you know I've been in the marketing team in two apps, two technology companies, but I've not been the founder. I've only founded yeah. a bookkeeping company. Yep. And so, like, I even though I have, I think a pretty decent amount of experience in tech, like the whole fundraising thing, totally, completely overwhelms me. I am fortunate to be in a place where my podcast, the Cloud Accounting Podcast, generates sponsorship revenue. So I've been bootstrapping earmarks development for a year. And like, there's a part of me that doesn't want to take money at all yeah. ever if I don't have to. Yeah. But then I also hear from other founders. They're like, no, no, you have a good idea. Like you could go get $10 million or something, yeah. you know? And I, I just, but I don't want to spend all my time just fundraising. Which I is can what take you through the same <laughs> diagnostic. I take uh, other founders through. Uh, and we've also gone through a cruise, which is, I always ask, do you like having a boss or not? And what's the answer to that, Blake? Well, considering that I spend about two years at every organization I'm at, no, I generally don't. 
Yeah. Well, it's like a boss for an idea that you created. Um, it's that's usually the biggest thing. Like venture capital has become your boss, you right. know? Right. And you are, um, it is, it's like sexy and cool to raise money and cruise is bootstrap. We've had to make do being under-resourced at times, you know, and that's very stressful. But sometimes I remind myself of like all the conversations I don't have to have with my investors that I don't have or all the board meetings or all the board decks or all these things. And some of that stuff makes you a better operator. Like the board board meetings can make you give you great advice, make you more disciplined on your, you know, every two months reporting, things like that. But you spend a lot of time managing your board members and you spend a lot of time answering questions about someone who just got funded, who may be a peripheral competitor, or you might have a disagreement about the direction of the company. And I think probably the biggest thing for most founders are, is their idea going to be like an IPOable company? Because that's really where the VCs need you to go. And uh, right. if your company can sell for 20 to 50 million bucks um, and you don't need outside funding, that's actually a pretty nice place to be because you're the one who gets to make that call. You get, you get the proceeds from that, you know, and you don't, and you don't have someone blocking an acquisition or making you grow faster than is natural growth. And then you start compromising on a lot of other stuff. So those are that's the criteria. So I wouldn't rush into it if I were you. You seem like you have a good thing going and you're building the catalog. To me, like I would think building the catalog would be expensive and hard. That's probably what I would think you would need yeah. to raise money for. But if you're doing it without that, then you're in a good spot, man. Right. Using other people's content and yeah, being yeah. the platform the 2B TV. for it. Right. 2BTV well, raised very little money before they really got going, you know, because they did exactly what you're doing. So my hope is that, you know, there's, it's a small enough market where it's not going to inspire a bunch of competitors who come in VC funded and then try to like take it. Right. Because that's what tends to happen. Right. If you have a good idea and you don't raise money, then isn't it very possible that you'll just get outspent by somebody who copies your idea and then, right. And they have the money so they can win. I've kind of learned through experience that being outspent is not as, let me say it this way in business school they always like kind of teach you to be like really terrified of your competitors or things like that. Right. Because you assume that your competitors can execute really well. You, you almost give the benefit of the, of the doubt to your competitors too much. And in the market we play in, you know, we have tons of, tons of competitors that raise, you know, we have competitors that raise hundreds of millions of dollars and we are doing very, very well. Cause we, we focus on execution. We focus on quality. So I sometimes think that's a myth. Now, if you're doing something like, grocery delivery or logistical or like hardware, things like that, things that can't be done in a capital efficient way, then yes, raising capital is usually a requirement, but I don't know, man, you're in, you're in media, media scalable, digital media scale, you know, like you're in a really good spot. So. All right. Well, that gives me personally, that's just me though. You know, that's, that's, I really, I really appreciate that. If you do raise money, let me know because I'd probably be interested. So. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Adding to my list. Scott. Check, please. Uh, sounds like you got a lot of good stuff going, though. When I'm if when I'm using Earmark, do I am I able to like do some like searches and look for like special stuff, or how does how does like the consumer experience or the accountant experience work? So to to be completely honest, we are still working on our user experience. It's sort of an MVP still at this point, but it's enough where you know people keep coming back. But the idea is that you will be able to filter courses by yeah. category, by NASBA field of study which is the official like category that they use for the CPE. Oh um, yeah. 
you know, you'll be able to follow instructors, get push notifications when courses go live on a channel you like. So creating that like gamified experience too is also something yeah. that I really like. I love gamification in education. So like stuff Are that we've talked bragging rights embedded in this, like we talking like I could see, you know, my knowing my wife, Vanessa Cruz, the overachiever, I could see her taking a lot of pride in scoring very high <laughs> on the earmark tests after well, consuming content. Is there is there stuff like that where you can have or uh some other accounting celebrities, you know, out well, in the world? I can see them having like battle of network stars, but for battle of the accountant CPEs. Well, I know is that, that one of the things that is is popular right now is these quiz apps. People like yeah, taking yeah, little yeah. like daily quizzes. So I thought, you know, what if what if we could have a database of tax knowledge? Oh, that would actually be super and, helpful. Yeah. And you get like a daily quiz and then you find out you, you challenge other people too. You could like challenge yeah. your coworkers and you see who has the leaderboard. Yeah. And and the quiz is timed so that it's not like you can go look up the answers. There's just not time to do it yeah. or something. And I um, think that's really smart. It could be fun. So it's almost like the language apps, you know, there's a lot of language apps have been very successful too. Yeah. So it's going beyond like this actual, like checking the box CPE thing and trying to make CPE useful for accountants. Hey, it's Scott Orn. And we're going to take a quick break from the podcast to give a shout out to the cruise tax team. Gosh, it's so nice to have an in-house tax team. I can't even tell you. Uh, we have some really amazing professionals on the team. It's over... I think it's 13 people now. And we do everything from your federal state income tax return, state franchise tax filings, R&D tax credits. Those are pretty popular these days. And guess what? They're there for you when you go through diligence. A lot of people don't know this, but you actually go through tax diligence, not just operational kind of financial diligence, but you do go through tax diligence. So it's nice to have Vanessa Cruz on the phone with your VCs and with the accounting firm they hired to diligence all your stuff and the law firm. They hired to diligence all your stuff. Vanessa knows what she's doing. She's done this a million times. And uh, and not it's not just Vanessa. We have a really great team of tax professionals that will do those calls too. It's it's kind of sometimes the difference between getting around closed or having it take another two weeks because something was disorganized and the tax compliance wasn't done correctly. We hear those horror stories from clients that come to us. So, hey, if you want Cruz's tax team on your side, we're here for you. Check us out at cruiseconsulting.com. Thanks. Like what I was talking about earlier is, you know, yes, there is a hours requirement and, P and CPAs need that, but there's also a lot of accounts out there that aren't CPAs yet or working up towards it or, you know, life circumstances. Like we see this sometimes where people, you know, they had kids at a certain age or they wanted to, you know, or, or coming into accounting later or whatever yeah. makes it a little more difficult to be a CPA, but they're still phenomenal accountants. And I would think those people, this would appeal to them too, in the sense that like they're getting the continuing education with, they don't have the hour requirement, but they're still learning a ton and, and it could spark them into getting their CPA. Once they start realizing that they can nail the stuff and they're how smart they really are, how well, knowledgeable and, they are. And even if they don't need the hours for their license renewal, we could gamify getting the hours yeah. on earmark, yeah. just like get badges, yeah. right? People love getting reputational badges we could have our own certificates if you earn enough hours in some area so well, there's a lot of a lot of accounting for i know we do this where we if if you pass your cpa we will reimburse you for your cpa study materials and so that's another kind of yeah. you know yeah. opportunity there too there's just a lot there's a lot i think you're the other kind of cool thing about earmark is you're in this regardless of whether it's cpe or C, you know 
you're in the right category of like people really in this generation are taking self-improvement and getting better at their job and just taking a lot of pride in what they do. It's, it feels different. It feels like this is something that this last five or 10 years where people really embraced. You see it with all the online learning and things like that. And you're doing it for the accounting profession, which we love and care about. And there's really kind of no limits to what you could do. You just, you just gotta be patient, build it up, build the catalog. Don't get, you know, get over your skis, but you're in a really good spot. Well, thank you. Yeah. You know, something that I wanted to ask you about, Scott, um, Fire away. If you, don't, if you don't mind me, like I always love it when the guest becomes the host. It's like my uh, <laughs> my cognitive load goes down. I could I don't know if people are watching this could see me just relax as you. Oh, said good, that. good. <laughs> I love I love it too. So I'm going to totally do it to you. Fire away. Um. So so one of the things we've been talking a lot about on the Cloud Accounting Podcast, or at least I've been uh, monologuing to my co-host about, is Mr. Uh, David. Is it David Leary? There, David Leary. Yes. So David, he's, David Leary he, sent me an email two weeks ago asking me some some great stuff. So I he's, oh, awesome. I've known him. He comes into my life every nine months or so. He, I get a like a highly detailed email from him asking asking for stuff or a phone call. <laughs> he's awesome. Asking for your free advice. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mind. He's actually like a really entertaining. Oh, there's a funny. reason why you guys do a good job on the accounting podcast because he. Yeah. He's entertaining and he's also not afraid of having some takes, you know, he's always, yeah. he has strong opinions. He's, he's brave too. Cause he's not an accountant, but he's willing to tell accountants what he thinks. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. He's awesome. And, and a great example is the episode we did where he talks about the tax organizer that he had to fill out because he, he switched from doing his own taxes to in TurboTax to like hiring a firm to do it. Okay. And he, yeah. And he said, it's actually more work for me to hire a firm because I have yeah. to fill out yeah. more forms. Right. Cause the, the TurboTax form is automated. He's probably was, forgetting that it's going to be way more accurate and better for him. Right, right. Well, you know, and that's the selling prop we talked about in another episode. Actually, <laughs> that the number one thing that people hire a CPA for or an EA to do their taxes instead of doing it themselves is the accuracy. Yeah, right. It's the accuracy. It's easy and to get it wrong. It's hard very to easy it right. to get it wrong. Hard yeah. to get it right. And there's but the, many thousands of dollars of repercussions for him. So anyways, but yeah. But there's many things we can learn as service providers from tech companies about oh, yeah. how to yeah. how to deliver a good customer experience, which is what we were trying to ultimately say. Yeah. Uh, but the way it came out was like, I feel attacked, you know? <laughs> That's what some of our listeners said. Um, but like, like you said, David is not afraid to say what he thinks, and it's very helpful. But to get back to the question I had, okay, so we've been talking a lot on the show I have been talking a lot about my experience going from accounting into tech and also like the way that tech founders think about accounting versus the way accountants think about accounting and the future of the CPA. So I feel like one of the one of the big problems with accounting and the CPA license is that like I feel like nobody really like people just don't care as much as they used to about gap financials and especially in the tech world. Like they're, mm, I kind of disagree with that a little bit, um, or accrual. There's some things around gap that are like the lease accounting, what we were talking about, yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. but I would actually segment that because there's tons of like bootstrapped entrepreneurs or people running like small businesses that, you know, honestly, they, they probably can get by on cash accounting. Right, right, right. And that's where you see like the bench of the world do like, I always say bench is great if you're running a coffee shop or something like that. Right. But when you're dealing with sophisticated investors like venture capitalists, so like Earmark, say Earmark decides to raise $10 million. Right. 
you're going to need accrual based financials for many reasons. And one of them is just like the investors are required to ask for that. They, right. they need gap based financials. The other thing is like you're sitting in a board meeting and you paid a couple extra vendors that month or whatever. And you're all, what you see is your financials are bouncing around like crazy. Right, right. You don't have accurate financials. The investors are asking you like, why is your burn double this month? What's going on? You also can't give them accurate, like how many months of cash you have. So there's actually, I would, I would take your question and segment into like two worlds, the professionally financed and companies kind of trying to change the world kind of thing. Yeah. And then the ones that are basically need a tax return. The small right, businesses right. or bootstrap companies need to have accurate financials a to kind of run the business for sure, but they're less vested in that emotionally and just kind of less time, but they really need to have, be able to do a tax return. Yes. And, and I, so that's, that's the breakdown I see. And I'm with you on that. Like the, the accrual accounting is essential as you're growing. And once you have investors and you got to do it, I guess what I'm, what I'm talking about is more of like the way that we do accounting for subscription businesses. Now that I'm building one seems kind of broken. Hmm. Uh, so, say more. I'm curious. Okay. Well, so, so I'm a big fan of, I'm not sure if I'm saying his name right, Tian Suo, founder of Zora. And he wrote this book called Subscribed, which I'm holding oh, up on the video and you can't nice. necessarily see on the podcast if you're listening. But in this book, Subscribed, which is an excellent read, I recommend it to anyone who's building a subscription model business. He has in his book, and I just happened to open up to the right page, I'm amazed, what he calls the subscription economy income statement. And reading this kind of opened my eyes in a way that accounting education never did what I learned in school to the fact that really, when you think about it, like the, the generally accepted accounting principles that we follow don't really do a good job of giving us information to evaluate a subscription business. Yeah. That's a, it's a, it's a really interesting point. You're talking about like LTV cost acquisition, things like that, right? Like long-term value of the customer is what, what LTV. Yeah, yeah. Basically, and, how to value that kind of stuff. Because what do we, well, Scott, you probably know this, you know, <laughs> off the top of your head, like what are the metrics that we care about when we're investing in subscription businesses? Yeah, it's usually yeah. not the gap numbers. It's a lot of like that stuff you mentioned, like cost to acquire a customer, number of customers, average ticket value, turn, uh, turn feeds into LTV. Yeah. Hiring, all this personnel stuff. Yeah. I mean, the one number that you, the interesting thing about LTV divided by CAC is, that functions as like a shorthand for all like things like churn and how much you're spending on customers and things like that. So like that is the the metric of choice. And if you can get to like a 5x LTV to CAC, you are an awesome business and are going to be huge. Four, very, very strong. Three, starting to get kind of like, are you fundable or not? But that is like the number. Right. Uh, but you're right. We have, we have what we kind of see is, People need their accounting done gap accrual wise. And then oftentimes they will have a dashboard that they funnel, they pull some of their financial metrics in like cash burn, um, cost acquisition, things like that. But the marketing team also is populating like number of leads, number of clothes, number, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so it's a little bit of a hybrid. And that's, I think I keep waiting for, like I just released a podcast with David Greenbaum from OnPlan and you worked at Giraffe. Mm -hmm. who are great. Martin's a great guy, great company. I have a small personal investment in Giraffe just for full disclosure. And, uh, and then we're seeing like Mosaic and Casual 
like some a lot of activity in the kind of FPNA SaaS world. And yep. that is, I think at the end of the day, gonna be one of the like they are gonna kind of own that dashboard thing. QuickBooks and people like us are gonna own the accounting and taxes. And then there's going to be another tool that's going to have like pull in all this other stuff because you got to be able to access Salesforce and things like that to, mm -hmm. to actually get that accurate stuff. But but it's, it's a really interesting idea because it is like we're doing it through Excel templates because we kind of find that that's even though it's not cool, it is actually very flexible and easy. And because no, like even though it's a subscription business, they're not they're very many different subscription businesses. Right. 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 And so you need to be able to have the flexibility to do that kind of stuff. And you can still kind of templatize and get the economies of scale out of a template. But but I think you're making a really, really great point here. So it comes back to like, okay, when you think of a subscription business, and this isn't my quote, I heard this somewhere else, but a good way to think of a subscription business is that it's uh, building an annuity. Your customer base pays you MRR or ARR, whatever it is. And so you are spending sales and marketing dollars to acquire those customers and, and grow that intangible asset. If you think about totally. it, your customer base is an intangible asset. And yet in accounting, we don't put that anywhere on the balance sheet. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so it's really weird to have these companies with like no book value that are incredibly valuable, right? It doesn't make sense. It, it actually yeah. doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, it's a legacy of like most, valuable companies used to be like manufacturing companies, you know, like right. GE making jet engines or things like that, or food companies, but make having like Tyson foods or things like that. Right. So, so you're, you're totally right. But that's why there's this need for like extra reporting. And that's, you know, yeah. I don't know though. I don't know if I would advocate for that to be, I kind of want to think through this for a second, but yeah. And, and I don't have an answer. Like I've just been thinking about this and nobody wants to talk to me about this <laughs> because yeah. it's, it's like a super nerdy intersection of tech and accounting. And so I try to talk to accountants who don't know anything about technology or technology businesses. And they're like, uh, accounting's fine. It's worked great for a hundred years. Yeah. And then I talked well, to tech Well, I think people. the danger is also you, if, if there was like a mandate to include some of that stuff, you end up with like, it's almost like big government, you know, like you start you start having you over over require and make everything less you just you just increase the compliance burden for a lot of right, stuff right right potentially know? and right? many companies are different and so then yeah. you end up like a one size fits all subscription book you know a subscription asset on the balance sheet right for lack of a better word and netflix is reporting that and earmark is reporting that and by the yeah. way we have a subscription business at cruise too so we're reporting that but they're all very different businesses so I, but I think your point is uh, the way I would kind of answer it now is like, it's a very healthy thing for entrepreneurs to have that vis visibility right. and you are building an asset. You are building like this book of business of people who are going to be with you for a very long time. And so having those reports, and it's actually why I think having like a good financial model and a good dashboard is actually really important. And I talk about it in pretty much every prospect call, Yeah, like doing that stuff. It's, it's extra work. And so, and a lot of times I see entrepreneurs saying, I'll wait, I'll do it later. I'll do it later. I'll put it off. But the earlier you can get, it's like kind of like brushing your teeth. Yeah. Yeah. Or well, eating healthy or exercising you, it gets you into a good habit and it has all these improvements in your life, especially when you're talking to your investors or prospective investors that have a huge benefit. And this is why 
if you're a startup founder, you can't just go to any accountant yeah. and have them do the books and expect to get anything useful out of them because gap accounting, like you said, built for the industrial age, it's built for railroads. I mean, that's essentially, that's why, why, why do we have the accounting standards we have? It's for manufacturing railroads, right? In the 1800s. And that, that was the last time it really changed. And it was solidified forever in the 1930s when we got the SEC. And so you at Cruise, you guys create a whole lot of stuff in dashboards that isn't in the traditional financial statements, like income yeah. statement balance sheet, right? Yeah. You have to go to someone who specializes in your industry. So like, yeah. actually, there was a lady on the Cloud Accounting Podcast. This is probably like three or four years ago. It really stuck with me. She was like the go-to accountant for wineries. Jeannie and Whitehouse. She, I, I still remember her because she had this yeah. incredible checklist. And we have all that stuff for startups. And we talk the startup financing game. And mm -hmm. like that whole speech I gave about having all your stuff ready and be due diligence ready and things like that. Like that is – I give that speech ah, eight times a day, <laughs> you know, because yeah. it's so important. And it, it really is the make or break thing when you get into like either M&A or fundraising, which is like that's that's this niche. The venture back startups have have that requirement. They are raising money from outside. But like – the best, if you are a winery, you, you should be working with the best winery accountant. If you are in media, you know, you're a little different because you're like a, a t you're like a startup media company, but say you're, um, say we're you're like a production a, company, like we're like you're a, the man. company that just raised $200 million that I think it's called a 24, right? Right. Right. That, that does like euphoria and all these kind of things. Those guys and ladies better have a damn good accounting firm that handles production media stuff yep. because there's so many moving, you know, and, and, and if you own a barbecue restaurant, you better have a good accountant who understands restaurants, right? It doesn't matter what, but, but trying to get the one size fits all, you're just going to end up with like a super mediocre product that doesn't probably is not going to be accurate. That's the thing is like accuracy is like the most important thing. And if they don't understand your industry, you're not going to have accurate financials. It's just well, kind of that simple. And you're going to have generic financials. So I think this comes back to like the thing that I've, that's been percolating in my head, which is that what we learn in school as accountants, the accounting we learn in school is very generic and it really fits a certain type of business, like inventory, heavy manufacturing. We all learn how to do that, but that kind of income statement balance sheet is not going to be enough to manage any other type of business these days. Yeah. So that's why I would, I would go one step further and say it probably won't be accurate if they don't understand the industry because yeah. All day long, we have people coming to us saying, like, I have this accounting firm. I think something's off. I, I don't know what. Can you look at my books and tell me what it what it requires to work with crews? And because you ran an accounting firm, so you you understand mm -hmm. this. You you probably took a ton of pride in what you're doing. Good training, accurate financials. But like the people who don't understand your industry, they'll probably take a shot but it often ends up inaccurate. So like this assumption that like any, any accountant can do any kind of business, they can just be the jack of all trades. Like Vanessa always says, like, we don't make, <laughs> you're a restaurant. We don't, you don't go to a restaurant that makes Italian, Chinese and Korean food, right? You go to one of those three, right? And so like, it's actually a faulty assumption that people make a lot. That's why I kind of say like, go one step, yeah. like just find someone who actually understands what you're doing. Well, I'm sure there's like diners in New York that make everything right, but you generally but don't go there for the food. You're there at 2 a.m. Yeah, you're there at 2 a.m. You're drunk. 
when you're not when you're trying to run a business. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody can take the default QuickBooks chart of accounts and shove transactions into that. Yeah. Right? But that doesn't, that's what happens. Them. Yeah. But also getting back to your subscription economy stuff, like revenue recognition that, that gets jacked up all the time, oh, yeah. you know? And it's like, or you see people just doing cash accounting for subscription businesses and it like breaks your heart, you know? Yep. And so, and I feel like I got on a soapbox here a little bit, but I, I do no, it's, think it's good. It's, it, yeah. It's I like mean, the, the shame is I'm with you on this, Scott. Like the shame is that in our accounting programs in school, why aren't we teaching people how to do the accounting for these different types of businesses instead of shoving everybody through the same, here is tax, here is how to audit financial statements. Like, yeah. we, and, and the most we get in managerial accounting, which is what we're talking about is like cost accounting, which is based on making widgets and putting costs in inventory and stuff yeah, like, yeah. nope. And nobody makes widgets anymore. No. And, and I think probably the answer is it's hard. It's hard to have that expertise and and it's not a, I mean, the education, this is again, if I can bring it back to earmark, what's cool about what you're doing is the educational system in general is like a very kind of industrial approach to education, right? But people yep. sit in rooms, they learn from a teacher, they all read the same book, all this kind of stuff. And what I was trying to say earlier, probably not articulate enough. It's the last five or 10 years now, all these additional resources to get better at your job, to learn different things, to just go deeper are now available. And earmark is the quintessential version of that for the accounting profession. It's pretty freaking awesome. And so you kind of made you in a very roundabout way, we made the point on why your point. mark is so interesting. Well, and now I've kept you talking long enough that we have met the minimum threshold. <laughs> this was that was not plot. planned, folks. This, that was not planned. This is my secret plan the whole time was if you listen to my podcast, you know, I usually go 25 minutes, but Blake got me successfully got me on this soapbox here. And that's because in order to meet NASBA's requirements for continuing education, we have to hit a 36.2 minute audio duration threshold, which we have exceeded now by 10%. So I'm confident we can take this episode and put love this it. up on earmark for CP credit. I love it. Well, we should wrap it up, but maybe tell everyone where to, where to uh, find earmark, how to reach out to you. If you're a content, if you have a library and you want to be on earmark, how to yep. reach out, go to earmark cpe.com earmarkcpe.com i am blake oliver uh, you can just shoot an email to blake at earmarkcpe.com if you want to learn more put your show on earmark if you have content that's targeted toward accountants bookkeepers cpas cmas enrolled agents they are all coming to earmark and we're growing that community so i love it i love it give my best to david on the cloud accounting podcast will do and, uh, Take care, man. You're doing you're doing great work. And I think you really figured something out here. And I'm I'm very excited for you. And I I look forward to watching my wife, Vanessa, walk around our our house instead of sitting on a computer, staring at a CPE video, actually enjoying herself walking around and learn probably learning a lot more because she's an active listener. You can walk up and down those hills in San Francisco, right? <laughs> we're we're in the verbs now. We got oh, we right, got right, I uh, forgot. Okay. Yeah, we got plenty of chores to do, though. But there yeah, I don't know. To me, it's just like the whole what you what you've created here is like exactly the right moment in time. And I'm excited for I'm just excited for all the accounts that cruise and all the accounts out there to actually just have access to stuff that's going to make them better. And I find I know this is at cruise, but I think most accounts are like this. They take a lot of pride in what they do. They want to have the right answer. It's incredibly satisfying to give good advice. 
yep. and do the right thing for your client. And you're on part of that pathway to just getting better and being able to give your clients good advice. Well, thanks, Scott. Appreciate it. All right, buddy. I appreciate it. Great talking to you. So yeah. when your troubles are mounting in tax or accounting, you go to cruise from founders and friends. It's Cruise Consulting. Founders and friends with your host, Scotty Owens.